Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Tangle Tales. This is Andy, the host, and I have a um, a quick little overview of uh, something we all love today that I feel like I haven't really dived, dived dove into um, too much. I've covered it extensively throughout this whole podcast, but I've never really talked about what it specifically means, and that is logger. What is logger? Uh, I, you know, I talk about check loggers, this check loggers, that good, clean beer, all of these, uh, terms that you've heard several times. If you are listening to this podcast, which if you are, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, I don't, I'm not monetized or anything, but it is nice to know that somebody out there is listening. This episode brought to you by Tanglefoot Brewing in Temple, Texas. Do not, uh, distribute this or, uh, copy this podcast. Otherwise I will come after you with a legal team. Uh, that's not true at all. Um, yeah, so lager, what is lager? Um, and why does it matter to this podcast? Um, so generally speaking, uh, there are two types of beers. There are ales and there are lagers and every beer that you've ever had falls into these two categories. Um, so ale fermentations are generally, and, and these, these two categories are generally, um, defined by the yeast that is used and then the uh the techniques and the process of how it's used moving forward so there are ales and there are lagers um ales are generally fermented at higher temperatures for a shorter period of time but they also produce a much higher amount of yeast character or yeast byproduct so both all yeast uh, consume sugar and ferment uh metabolize that sugar and produce CO2 and alcohol, ethanol as their main byproducts. That process of their metabolism is identified as fermentation. So they ferment sugars and create alcohol and CO2 as the main byproducts, but they also create other smaller byproducts that are uh, flavor contributors. So ale fermentations, warmer, quicker, but come with more yeast flavor and character. Lager fermentations, generally uh, colder, slower, but come with less yeast uh, fermentation characteristics or characters, and they are perceivably more clean. And um, there's some other downstream effects of it taking longer, but I will uh, touch on that in a minute. So yeah, th that's kind of the rough breakdown of the, the, the difference between the two. But what does it mean to lager? Lager is a noun, but it's also a verb. Lager uh, specifically means to store. Um, so you are fermenting beer and then you are storing it generally cold for a prolonged period of time. And, uh, I've mentioned this before, but just to give some, uh, context for those that haven't listened or don't remember ale fermentations, let's take an IPA, for instance, a, uh, IPA fermentation could be anywhere from two, two and a half, maybe three weeks from start to finish or grain to glass as a, as I like to say. Um, whereas a lager fermentation from start to finish could be, or, or not necessarily just the fermentation, but from beginning to end to yield a lager could be anywhere from one, one and a half, two months, you know, up to three months, depending on the style. But at Tanglefoot, we generally sh shoot for about a two month lagering period. So lager, what does that technically mean? Uh, it means to store the beer in a tank generally at colder temperatures for the purpose of cleaning the beer up and, um, and clarifying it. So 
Lager fermentation happens similar to how ale fermentation happens, just uh, starting at a lower temperature. So for Tanglefoot, I knock out or I put my yeast into the wort, the sugar water that I create during the brewing process at about 50 degrees. The yeast start to grow. This begin fermentation, uh, but it's a slower, more uh, mellow fermentation than you would see with an ale. So my fermentations take anywhere from like one and a half to two and a half, three weeks to complete. And so during that time, all of that sugar is being consumed and turned into alcohol and CO2 is the two main byproducts. And uh, once I'm reaching terminal gravity, um, then I am uh, raising the temperature. Actually, before I reach terminal gravity, I'm raising the temperature of the fermentation from 50 degrees to 60 degrees for a step called the diacetyl rest. Um, diacetyl is a off flavor that yeast produce. Uh, all yeast fermentation produce this, but it's um, more noticeable or less noticeable depending on the yeast and the and the fermentation. So ale yeast, remember I said they're fermented warmer, um, and so they produce a lot more flavors, um, and they, they do this very quickly. So ale yeast will produce much more diacetyl, but they'll also clean it up. So the yeast do a really cool thing where they produce this kind of garbage butter popcorn <laughs> smell and uh, tasting uh, molecule, and then they will metabolize that, break it down, and actually um, remove it from, from the beer given enough time. So that on an ale fermentation happens relatively quick. Uh, lager fermentation, it happens much slower because of the colder temperature. So we raise that temperature at the end of the fermentation just to give it a little little uh, boost at the uh, tail end of fermentation so that yeast is happy and still moving around and, and hopefully is more prone to cleaning up that diacetyl. So once uh, we check the, uh, the beer at this point for diacetyl, there's a process where we pull a sample, heat it up, and uh, keep it at that temperature for a period of time cool it down and then smell and taste that sample to see if it has that that buttery butterscotch flavor in it. If it passes the diacetyl test, which that's what we call that test, then we can be, uh, excuse me, we can begin cold crashing the beer. Cold crashing is uh, just a, uh, it's cooling of the beer. So we go from 60 down to about 50 relatively quick. And then we go from 50 to at Tanglefoot, I go from 50 to 34 degrees over the course of uh, a couple of days. Sometimes I do an immediate cold crash, but generally like to do it a little slower so the yeast stays happy and doesn't get shocked by a, a dramatic temperature change. So uh, at that 34 degrees, what I found, uh, at least in my experience, 34 degrees is a good is a good number. 32. The colder you get, the more um, you know stuff falls out over time, but the goal of cooling the beer back down to this lagering temperature is to one, uh, have, yeah, all that yeast that's been in suspension and maybe all that croissant, whatever has been, you know, the proteins and stuff will slowly begin to fall out of solution, suspension rather, and compact on the bottom of the fermentation vessel. So given enough time at a cold temperature, this, uh, your lager or, uh, whatever beer hopefully will clarify, uh, so that yeast will fall out and compact on the bottom of the fermentation vessel and anything else that would lead to a, a haze. And so you get good, clean beer after uh, a certain period of time. So all, I don't filter anything at Tanglefoot. I don't 
add any clarifying agents to any of the beers at Tanglefoot. It's just time and uh, cold temperatures. So what else is happening? There's still yeast, uh, obviously, at the bottom of the tank. And that yeast contact with the beer, that exposure allows the yeast to continue to clean up some of the, the flavors and um, uh, byproducts that it produced during fermentation. So a lot of lager fermentations are prone to a lot of uh, sulfur production. So over time, that sulfur will volatilize out of the beer and uh, physically be removed just due to the nature of like CO2 bubbling out of the, the beer. Uh, the acetaldehyde, which is kind of like a green apple character, will be uh, metabolized and, uh, and reduced. And then you will start getting good, I keep saying good clean, but like really nice clean uh, beer flavor without much else to hide behind. So it just yields a much, much cleaner, um, more refined beer flavor after a certain period of time. And at Tanglefoot, I've found that two months from uh, fermentation is a, is a good metric. So um, yeah, what I do is once primary fermentation is done and it's passed diacetyl test, I crash it down to 34 degrees, allow a lot of that yeast and, and uh, protein haze to settle out. And then I will, uh, for a couple of weeks, and then I will keg off and then lager for another probably month in kegs. And so that, that gives me a really, really nice clean beer, but <laughs> the downside to doing it the way that I do um, and lagering in kegs is that I, I do, I allow a lot of that yeast to fall out, but I'll, whenever I keg off, there's still some yeast in suspension because it takes quite a while. Uh, so all that yeast will deposit on the bottom of the keg. And if you've ever been in Tanglefoot, whenever I change a keg, it's like one of the most stressful things that I do because I'm basically pulling a keg out of the cold room, moving it around, sloshing it around, stirring up all that yeast on the bottom of the, the keg, uh, which is just like turns this, this beautiful crystal clear lager into like a slightly hazy version of it. And it just like ugh, drives me nuts. It's like, I, I've, I've got plans to fix this, this system, but I'm just, yeah, it's one of the things that really drives me crazy because, you know, customers hopefully think of this as a premium product. They come in, they want to see like a nice cl clear, beautiful head on top of the beer in this glass. And if they get poured a, uh, a beer that has a little bit of haze, it's just not the same experience. It still tastes the same and maybe a little bit more uh, bitter with some, some yeast and suspension, which me, myself, and a lot of brewers included love uh, Keller beer or younger beer that has some yeast and suspension. But uh, for, for what I'm trying to achieve there, it's not my ideal result, but giving it one more day in the cold room or one more day attached to the, uh, to the kegerator, it settles out again and, and is just fine. But, uh, I've gone off on a tangent. So what else, uh, to do with lager? Well, if you are, uh, spunding or naturally carbonating lagers, you're trapping CO2 at the end of fermentation. Um, that is, uh, yeah, that that's part of the, the end of fermentation, that process where you're sealing up your tank or your keg or whatever it is that you're going to be uh, trapping that CO2 in and all of that CO2 has nowhere to go. So it just raises the pressure in the vessel and it naturally carbonates that lager or beer inside the vessel. So then while you let it lager, it's got it's got carbonation already and you are then after it's done lagering, ready to serve it. You don't need to add any more carbonation. It's a process that I would like to um, 
incorporate soon and hopefully we'll be incorporating soon at Tanglefoot. Um, so, um, what else? Yeah. Uh, clear logger is generally the, uh, the standard for, for most styles. So the American adjunct or light logger is kind of the most popular beer style in the world, or maybe not the American adjunct, but like just generally speaking, light American or European loggers are the most popular beer style in the world. Uh, and there's good reason for it. They're clean, they're easy drinking, they're relatively light in flavor. So you can have many of them without your, uh, getting your palate overwhelmed. And they are, uh, yeah, they're enjoyable to drink. But that principle of being clean and clear still applies to more flavorful uh, versions of, of that style of beer to, to lagers. So uh, that's what I'm trying to do at, at Tanglefoot. I want to serve nice, crisp, but still have a lot of uh, flavor characteristic, but uh, clear, clean lager served in uh, proper glass and in a nice environment. And I hope that people appreciate those things like I do. Um, lagers great. Uh, generally on a production scale, lagers uh, don't require, but are often lagered, fermented slash lagered in horizontal tanks. So the idea uh, behind using a tank that isn't a cylindroconical, which is, you know, you, if the, the stereotypical brewery tank, it's a cylinder on top, there's a cone at the bottom so that everything falls down and gets trapped in the cone. Um, and that's great for ale fermentations, uh, lager fermentations and and the lagering process generally speaking are done in horizontal tanks. So they're like, you know, cylinders, but turn on their side. And so there's a lot more surface area for that yeast interaction with the beer to happen. And fun fact, if you've ever heard of, uh, Anheuser-Busch having the, uh, Beechwood aged process where they age their Budweiser on Beechwood chips. The, uh, the marketing of that, which it's mostly just a marketing thing at this point, but the marketing of that is a little misleading. It's not that it's aged on beechwood chips for beechwood flavor. Um, it's aged on and lagered. That's what they mean by aged. Lagered on strips of beechwood that have been boiled in uh, caustic soda and for very prolonged periods of time, basically stripping anything out of that that would contribute any flavor whatsoever and sanitizing them completely. Then they are they are uh, spread out amongst the bottom of these horizontal tanks, which are basically, I mean, the size that they're brewing on are like gigantic, you know, submarines, but they're spreading those kind of like craggy looking strips that are like kind of just randomly all over the place along the bottom of the uh, horizontal lagering tanks so that the yeast that is in the beer after fermentation, when it starts settling out, instead of compacting in one thick layer on the bottom where you would only have that yeast to beer interaction on the top layer of that yeast sediment, it is spread out amongst those um, ribbons of beechwood. So you've got yeast that kind of undulates and some is uh, on a curved part up here, and then some is down here on, on this strip that's on this side of the tank. So that it keeps that yeast in suspension more than just sedimenting out in a thick layer on the bottom of the tank, which 
aids in the uh, maturation or the lagering or the cleaning up or the clarification, whatever you want to call it, it aids in getting that beer to be good, mature, clean, clear beer so that they can package it more quickly and send it out the door. Because, you know, it is a commodity product after all, and they got to make as much as they can and sell it as quickly as they can. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's about all I have on lager and uh, what it means from a production standpoint. There are many, 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 many other things uh, to do with lager, but I just wanted to, to kind of briefly touch on it because I don't think I had gone into depth on that specifically before. And it's something that I love talking about constantly. I love drinking lagers. I'm having a lager right now. That's all I want to do is talk about lagers while drinking lagers. So thank you for indulging me. And I hope you learned something. And if you didn't, at least you hopefully drank a beer. So, yep. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening in. And uh, catch me on the next episode. Nazdravi.